Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. So grateful that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, please go by Guest Central. We love the fact that you decided out of the 50,000 churches in the DFW Metroplex uh, that you would be here today. I met uh, a fellow Californian here on the second row, flew here from Cali just to be in the service today. Salute. I love you. Um, Vitamin E, y'all give it up for our Vitamin E Church. We love you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Um, uh, all the ladies in the house, make some noise. Let, I, whoever came up with all the ladies in the house make noise, like they're a genius. Because y'all can do that unprepared, unrehearsed, on the drop of a dime. You go straight into second soprano. All the ladies in the house, make some noise. <laughs> Y'all really took it up that time. It's like, now that I know, <clears throat> uh, if you have not registered for the Whole Woman Conference, I need you to do that. Um, we are putting on this conference in September because we believe that our assignment uh, for those two days is to help you become a whole woman. To that end, Everything about this conference is catered to you. So much so, we haven't announced who the speakers are, and we've kept everything on the people that are actually registering. So if you haven't registered, if you're a lady, I encourage you strongly to register. If you want to come, but desperately, because of finances, you cannot be there, at least let us know you have not because you asked not. We have people that are, have sponsored some people uh, uh, to be at the conference. And so if you want to go but you cannot make it for some financial reason, don't let that hinder you from asking, okay? Uh, and we want, we want to sell this place out and get as many people whole as possible. Amen. Is that all right? Amen. So I, um, uh, last week was like cray-cray, right? So... Um, I did something I never, I've never done this in my entire life. After last uh, week's message, I went home and I got online and I made this t-shirt. Like, I went home and like, I just made it online and had them ship it to me because I wanted to wear it to the grocery store, um, to, uh, I was about to say the gas station, but I got a Tesla, I don't So bougie. At the charging station, I wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted somebody to be like, hey, what does scoreboard mean? And then my response would be, scoreboard! And their response would be like, I, what is your problem? Why are you so loud in aisle six of this grocery store? Um, but, it, but it just resonated with me deeply. And so I... I truly believe that this series is going to change your life. It's going to change your mind. And to that end, every single weekend that, that, that we are here in this series, I believe God's going to continue to reinforce the idea that this is winning season for you. And that this season is not temporary. It ain't gonna last seven months and then you go back to taking L's like you don't know what victory tastes like. This is a paradigm-shifting series for you to live the rest of your life getting out of the bed talking about I win. Well, did they haven't even get, got started? I win. But the doctors know this was stage four cancer. I still win. But they said they weren't going to give you the promotion. I win. Stop playing. Now, I'm so grateful for, and, and the cadence of my message today is going to be a little bit different. Y'all going to have to bear with me. There's a, there, there's, because I'm, I'm teaching about a mentality today. We, we, didn't, we didn't get out of the first service uh, until like 23 minutes before this service. Scared me to death. 
I was like, ah! please, Jesus, don't let them cuss in the parking lot. I, I was so scared for your salvation because it's hot outside and you're looking for a parking spot. And I was like, please let them stay saved till they get in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, and I politely told everybody, as soon as we dismissed, get out. And so uh, hopefully they did and y'all are here, so it's great. Um, but I literally, I literally was so grateful that the Lord gave me this message to teach because, um, uh, and I'm going to give you the title of it now because, like I said, the cadence is different. I'm just going to be a stream of consciousness until I leave, okay? We'll probably dismiss around 3 o'clock. And uh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I heard three people go, hey, like, <laughs> I ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> um, uh, but so, so, so write this down. The title of the message is The Winning Mentality. I want to talk to you about what it takes to have a winning mentality. And uh, I'm going to take you to the passage of Scripture that God taught me and calibrated me to this winning mentality. I, I could have pulled up Jeremiah 29, 11. I could have pulled up Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you is popular. I could have took you to Romans chapter number 8 and talked about the fact that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I could have took you all around the Bible. I could have took you to the book of Exodus and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I could have I take you anywhere in the Bible, but, but, but this is where God spoke to me about having a winning mentality. And, and, and let me tell you why it's so important for you to get this. Uh, uh, because uh, people that don't have a winning mentality, and I'm going to prove it in Scripture, when you're around people with a winning mentality and you don't have a winning mentality, you are mislabeled as arrogant and conceited. I can't tell you how many times after I gave my life to Jesus, I was told you are arrogant and conceited. Now, these weren't from like mentors uh, and people that so closely can inspect the fruit of my life that they, were, that they were like, yeah, I see that on you. Because when they said it, and there have been some times where I needed to be checked, when they said it, I said, oh, well, then if you see it, then yeah. If Juliet says that, that I'm, I'm a little prideful, then I am. I sleep in the same bed with her. She should know, okay? Uh, uh, but when I, when I would be out, uh, and I preach somewhere, or, or I would do a workshop, or, or I'd be around some believers, and maybe they had been exposed to my ministry from somewhere, they would be like, mm, he a little conceited. That's what that is. A little arrogant. God needs to humble him in some areas. And what they were mislabeling is the confidence I have in God. Hear me. And me. I'm telling you, a lot of L.A. going to come out of me today, okay? I'm about to raise everybody's vocabulary to some hood terms, and you're going to go out of here so educated, okay? So everybody that's, you know, middle class, upper middle class, okay, you're you going to come out of here with a, with, a, with a wider vocabulary, okay, today, because I got to take you back to the epicenter where this comes from for me. Uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 17 is uh, where the Lord gave me this revelation, so I want to give it to you. Uh, I was very, very tempted to read all 58 verses in this chapter. Um, uh, uh, but I will paraphrase the first 31, and I will start from 32. You will get a good old 19 from me today. Okay, you're going to deal with that. Okay, um, so I got 19 verses to read, but, but I want to give you context. This is, this is the story of David fighting Goliath, and... Um, Spoiler alert, David wins, right? We all know David fought, fight, fights Goliath and he wins. Uh, the first 32 verses is uh, the recap of how this whole thing started. The Philistines uh, had a champion named Goliath. Goliath, by all estimations, uh, from those that have done studies around uh, that area and that time, uh, have him around 9 feet 7 inches tall. He would have won any basketball team on anybody's team, right? Put him on your team, you should win a championship. Uh, he was not about nine feet, seven inches tall. That's the estimation. He could have been 10 feet. Big dude. And uh, he comes out, and uh, the children of Israel, King Saul, and their, their army come out against the Philistines, and their army, Goliath, poses this challenge. Send one guy out to fight me. If I win... It'll count as a win against all y'all. So if I beat that one dude, it counts for all y'all. If you win, you beat me, it counts for all of us. 
Bring out your champion. I defy the armies of Israel. Your God's not real. You think you're cute walking around with your little box, talking about the presence of the Lord is in it. We'll crush that, take that. Ain't nobody scared of y'all. For 40 days, he goes on talking this reckless, and nobody responds. A month and a half, Goliath talks this reckless, nobody says nothing. Scripture says that twice a day, Mondays and evenings, I guess he took afternoons off. <laughs> Mondays and evenings, twice a day, the dude came out for 40 days talking about, amen, your God's not real. Send somebody out here to fight me. Y'all are all the scum of the earth. They heard this twice a day for 40 days, which means in 40 days, 80 times. Goliath came out and pumped Israel to no response. Punked is a colloquialism. <laughs> in urban communities, that means you are being accosted See how quickly I can go back and forth between these words? You are being accosted at a very profound rate. For 40 days and 40 nights, this happens. No response. David comes one time to drop off some cheese and some bread to his brothers and the captains. One time. Now, they've heard Goliath 80 times. David's just making a delivery. Hey, man, good to see you, bro. Love you. Here, dad told me to bring you some bread and for your captains, use your, use your captains, and then here's some cheese for you. And he was like, all right, then. I love y'all. Good to see you. Y'all been sitting here the whole, nobody, no action? Okay, whatever. And so he starts walking away. Goliath comes out. Hey, I defy your God. And David was like. Goliath's still over there and, and you're the scum of the earth and bring somebody to fight me. I'll kill all of y'all. Your God ain't real. And you cute little tiny box doesn't have the presence of the Lord. You guys suck. And David's like, who is this? And they were like, huh? No, no, no. Who is this reckless fool? Talking about our God. Well, he's been here for 40 days talking like this twice a day. And he's like, wait. Y'all have heard this before? I just came to drop off some bread. Y'all heard him talk like this? And y'all didn't do nothing about it? And, and they were like, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, uh, King Saul hasn't come out of his tent in a long time. And um, <laughs> he did send a message out, though. And the message was, uh, if anybody can kill the Goliath, then, then Saul will give one of his daughters uh, uh, as tribute and as a reward, and the family doesn't have to pay any taxes again for the rest of their life. And David said, no taxes? <laughs> he didn't say nothing about the girl. He was just like, <laughs> y'all about to turn Israel into Texas? No state tax? We, that's how we about to get down? <laughs> he said, he said, um, yeah, I don't even need that. But that's got to stop. He heard it one time. How long are you going to let the enemy taunt you before you talk back? So you got to change your mentality. If, you, if you're really going to start to win in the spiritual realm, I'm not talking about haters that are in your comment section. I'm not talking about somebody don't like your personality on your job. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it's principalities and, and, and darkness in high places. So, so you have to elevate your mind above the flesh and blood you see. Tina ain't your problem. I just helped somebody right there. Tina is not your problem. Your boss is not your problem. You have to wage war in the spirit. And you have to have a mentality to look past what you see and know where the real agitator is coming from. Uh, uh, I got scriptures fighting in my head, so let me just say this real quick. Um, uh, uh, when Jesus, when, when the, when the uh, storm was, was over the sea and Jesus was taking a nap, because that's how unbothered he is by storms. 
He was asleep. He woke up at the behest of his disciples. We're going to die! And what did Jesus come out and do? Jesus came out and he did something in a very specific way, in a very specific order. He rebuked the wind and told the waves to calm down. Because the waves that were rocking the boat wasn't the issue. I'm going to take my time. Do you even know who to rebuke? The waves weren't the problem. The wind was the problem. The wind stirred up the waves that rocked the boat. So he rebuked the thing that was the agitator, not the thing that was rocking it. Your kids are not the problem. Go find the agitator of your kids. Rebuke them. Let's pick up from verse 32. Don't worry about this, Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Can I, I'm going to take my time. I'm, I'm, we're just going to read through this. Okay? This is a slow walk. This is a winner's mentality. Don't you worry about him. I'm going to go fight him. Who are you, kid? Don't matter. I heard this one time. I ain't, got no, I ain't got time for this. I heard the enemy try to come into my house one time. I ain't got no time for this. Enemy tried to come in my house and steal my peace. I don't have no time for this. We about to fight now. You ain't about to be up in my house for a month and a half talking to us reckless before I deal with this. My kids ain't about to be struggling with the... Uh, see, my, I, my vocabulary going crazy right now. Uh, my, my, my kids ain't about to be struggling with the vicissitudes of life. See all these words just coming up out of my head? I ain't even trying. <laughs> Y'all over there, V-I-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-
He said, and if that don't work and they actually turn on me, this is gangster. I grab it by the jaw. All them teeth. You grab it by the jaw. Smashed it. And I smashed the skull. have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too for he has defiled the armies of the living God I gotta stop here's what David said I'm gonna read you my resume so I know it don't look impressive to you but I've killed lions and bears out there in my daddy's shepherd field and here's what I want you to know the same way I killed them lions and bears, I'll do to this Philistine too. Here's a revelation. David didn't put Goliath in a separate category. See, some of, us, some, of us has, some of us have categorized God based on the degree of the situation we've gone through. So you believed he could do that, but you don't believe he could do this. Because you think you need a different God or a more than God in this situation than the God that you had in that situation. But the same God that delivered me out of this situation is the same God that delivers me out of that situation. So that no matter what situation I'm in, he happens to be an all-inclusive delivering God. This is why he told the children of Israel, when you get there, Moses, and they ask my name, tell them my name is blank check. I'm sorry, what? Tell them my name is blank check. What? Go tell them I am that. I am. See, y'all didn't hear the swag in it until I slowed it down for you. You read it too fast. I am that I am. No, no, no. Slow that thing down. I am. What are you? That. I am. So you need water in the middle of a desert? I am. That. You need a cloud by day? I am. That. You need a pillar of fire by night? I am. That. You need food to fall down from heaven? I happen to be that too. I am. That. 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 That and that. I am healer, deliverer, sanctifier, freer. I am. Provision, protection, purity. I am all of that. Not some of it. That. So I finally consented. All right. Go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. This was not a compliment. Saul had no faith in, in David in this situation. How could he? He didn't have any empirical data. He didn't see what he had done in the shepherd's field. So he was just like, basically, let me put it in 22 words. You know, in, 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 in his day, he said, may the Lord be with you. Here's the way we say it now, especially when we don't believe it, but we just, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. <laughs> I'll be praying for you. You're in my thoughts and my prayers. I can't stand thoughts and prayers. Because I'm a literalist. And so, I mean, they're, they're in my thoughts. And I just be seeing them looking up to like this. I'm not in your thoughts. If you're going to help, help. If you're not, just say that. Then Saul gave David his own armor. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me slow down. He said, go ahead, which means David now had permission to go do it. Saul was the king. He was the, he was the authority on earth, and he was the spiritual authority over David at that time. He did not go to fight Goliath without getting spiritual permission first. Let me say this to you right now, here and now. Don't go fight no giants. 
without a spiritual covering? Go out there and try to find him if you want to. You'll be dead. David had legal authority in heaven and on earth to go fight that because he did not take off to go fight King Saul without his permission. He wasn't like, since you ain't doing nothing, thought you was king. I'll handle this. Don't do that. You're going to wind up dead. So he goes with the spiritual permission and authority that he got from King Saul. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. Notice the order. He put it on first, right? He tried to move in it, right? Then he says, um, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Let me slow down. David did not preemptively tell Saul, I'm not wearing your armor. He looked at it and knew that I don't, that's not how I, I just usually just put on my robe. And I gird up my loins and tie a good rope around me. And I just roll out and fight bears and lions. That's usually how I, that's pretty formal. You got a lot on. I don't, that's not, I don't need all that. He didn't say that preemptively. Because he submitted to authority, his king told him to put it on, he put it on. After he put it on, both he and the king knew this looks awkward, and then he took it off. So it could not be said that David was even insubordinate when it came to how he fought Goliath. Not only did he get permission to fight Goliath, he got permission to fight Goliath the way he wanted to. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. You ever received a threat? How did, how did you respond to it? See, I was born and raised in uh, Southern California, Inglewood. Yeah. And I uh, was born in Inglewood. My, my older brother founded a gang. And so... Um, uh, and he's, yeah, he's done some dirt. So, dirt <laughs> is an urban colloquialism for criminal activity. <laughs> so my brother did some dirt. And, uh, you know, his gang was pretty ruthless. And when you grow up in a gang-infested neighborhood, uh, you're either in the gang or you're out of the gang. But if you're out of the gang, you're actually still in the gang. Because you still have to have the same mentality as the gang member because you don't know if they're coming after you for not being in the gang. You don't know if there was beef on your block that bled over to three blocks down the street and they're going to come shooting down your block and you just can't be walking around innocent like, oh, it's not me, guys. They're over there. <laughs> that ain't going to work. You're going to be dead. I am proud to say that I was a gang member for a full seven days. I was. I was in a gang for seven days. Uh, uh, because my brother was an OG in the gang, OG is an urban <laughs> colloquialism that simply means original gangster. One who was a founder of the establishment that has been erected. Um, my brother was an OG of this gang. And because w when you're an OG on the set, you don't have to get jumped in. You can get walked in, right? And so I got walked on the set. And for seven days, I was in this gang. Uh, but I went to school every day, and uh, I didn't do what gang people do. So I wasn't, like, ditching school and drinking uh, 40 ounces of malt liquor, nor uh, was I involved in any criminal activity. Crack cocaine was an epidemic uh, during the time that I was growing up. I saw all the little white crack rocks and what it was doing to my neighborhood and the people that used it and consumed it, uh, but I was not uh, a part of that. So after this, on the seventh day, uh, the gang was polite enough to at least notify me uh, that they no longer needed my services <laughs> in said gang. 
They were very polite about it, too. It was very kind. They just walked up to me. Hey, man, um, just want to let you know you're no longer a part of our gang. Uh, we've uh, looked over what you've been doing for the last seven days, and we realize this ain't you. I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life, but God bless you. Uh, you can move on. And here's the truth of the matter. The reason why I didn't get involved in what they were doing is because I was more afraid of getting a whooping from my daddy if he found out than I was being down with them. This is why fathers in the home is such an important thing. My older brother was a founder of a gang. My mother worked for the LAPD for 30 years. Yes. Hold that tension. My older brother's 10 years older than me. He founded this game. My mother worked for the LAPD for 30 years. Uh, Rampart Division is like the, the most gangster division uh, of the LA, the Los Angeles Police Department. And the Rampart Division, those cops are their own gang. They actually call themselves True Blue. So we out here with these Crips and these Bloods and these Essays. And we True Blue. Just want y'all to know, we got this badge on our side and we will use it. They had to take on what? They had to take on that gang mentality. Why? You won't survive if you don't have that mentality. Why do you have to have a winner's mentality? Because if you don't, you will not survive the spiritual warfare that goes on with being a Christian. Do you know all of hell hates you? Do you understand you were born on their team and then you had the nerve to switch? You were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. By default, you were already on the other team. And then you publicly declared? Not privately, whispering it. You publicly declared? That I don't represent that set no more. That I don't, I don't allow myself to get involved in that activity. I now profess out loud, open and loud, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Hell hates that. So all the hell is like, got you, fam. Same thing that got you, fam. It's an urban colloquialism that simply means message received. <laughs> All of hell says we got to get him or her back. If you were to walk off of a gang, the whole gang would be like, we're going to have to see you. You don't just walk out of a gang. You die out of a gang. Blood in, blood out. Which is why it is a privilege to get walked on the set because you get jumped in because the blood that they bring out of your body by that beating is how you get in. And they mean to tell you that for the rest of your life, you better claim this set because if you don't, we're going to need blood for you to be out of here. Most people don't survive that. The mentality has to be as a believer that I have God on my side and we're going to win. Let me give you Bible. This is what I read and it changed my entire life. Because Goliath got to give his speech. He got to say what he wanted to say. But listen to this reply. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and cut off your head. Can we stop? Because this is not the Davy and Goliath story that our children get in the children's ministry. <laughs> Upstairs, they get the G-rated version. Davy and Goliath got into a fight. <laughs> and Davy threw his rock. And Goliath fell. And God won. <laughs> Yay! 
Now color your paper and give it to your teacher and your parents. Your parents, your kids come down and say, Mommy, it's Davy and Goliath. And you're just looking at the paper like you had to use a green crayon for the whole. With no other crayons in the crayon box. They, children's ministry that limited. Y'all ain't got no, y'all ain't got no brown up there. <laughs> Woo, cooking myself. Okay, so David, David heard the threat, and then he had a response. And his response was very, very forthright. And, and, and this verse is what freed me from people thinking I'm arrogant and conceited when it comes to how I approach uh, my life as a believer in Jesus Christ and the fact that I think I'm going to win everything. When I tell you everything, ain't no situation I've ever gotten into since I've been a believer. For the last 26 years, I'm like, I'm winning. We're going to win this. Worst season of your life. We're going to win this. It's a bad day. It ain't a bad life. We're going to win this. If Paul and Silas could sing in jail, we're going to win this. David said, today, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you. And I will cut off your head. Here's the revelation of a winning mentality. David didn't say the Lord was going to do everything, nor did he say he was going to do everything. David knew who conquered, and he knew who gets to kill. So he understood that the Lord has a part to play, and so do I. Do you know how many people are walking around waiting for God to do something? And God is peeking over the balcony of heaven, waiting for you to do something? Do you know how many people is in the house right now going, I'm just waiting for God to bring me my breakthrough? And God's like, it'll happen as soon as you get up out that bed. It's your lazy self. Because here's what the church has fed us forever, and I mean to eradicate it. God's going to use you. Bring your gifts into the church because God wants to use you. Then we hear it so much, we start praying, Lord God, use me. As if he's Geppetto and you're Pinocchio and he's just using you against your will. But do you know what happens when you get used? Usually, the more people are used, the more easily they can be abnormally used, contracted, abused. So do you know how many people I've met in church that have gone through spiritual abuse? Because they thought that if God wants to use them, they must be used by these people as well. God's not trying to use you. He's here to partner with you. I'm helping somebody. See, if you can't see yourself in the equation, you'll never think that you have a responsibility in the fight. God's not asking you to stand by and he's going to do everything and then you just going to be there. You can't even use that in the book of Exodus. Stand still and see the salvation of the love of the Lord. That's absolutely right, Moses, after you lift your staff. You're going to have to do something. This is not all on God, but it's also not all on you. It is a partnership. And when you have the right mentality and you understand this is a partnership, you walk into situations knowing, I know I'm going to win. Why? God's with me. And he already told me he conquered the situation, so all I got to do is go to work. But they said they weren't going to have a position for you anymore. It don't matter. He just told me to come in anyway. And between the, the time I clock in at 9 and the time I clock out at 5, God's going to do something in them eight hours. He's probably going to do it while I'm on my lunch break. I'm going to go get me a nice Chipotle bowl, and I'm going to sit down somewhere and watch God do it. But I do have to show up and participate in the fight. So David says, today, my God's going to conquer you, because I can't do the conquering. I, I don't conquer nothing. David knows this in his mentality. I don't conquer stuff. God conquers stuff. But I get to kill some stuff. Yeah. 
Ooh, and Goliath, you on the list. <laughs> Homie, you gonna die today. Not tomorrow, we ain't gonna be fighting for 19 hours. I'm gonna kill you today. <laughs> See this bop I got? I can't get it off me. Because, because when, you, when, when you get this mentality, everything changes. Every situation you find yourself in, you start looking at it like, and? That noise is one of the most profound noises you could ever make in your life to tell people around you and the enemy that you are unbothered by what's about to come up. You know the situation is so crazy. That noise says so much stuff. Child, please. I'm unbothered. You can't test me. I'm taking a nap. I'm about to go eat. I'm about to lay down. I'm about to watch Netflix. Goliath said, I'm going to kill you today. I'm going to feed you to the birds. David's like, please, man. You light work today, homie. Today, I will today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and cut off your head. As if he didn't have enough conjunctions. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there was a God in Israel. Now, I got to stop and tell you. I could not have been on the Philistine side hearing David say that. Because if I was a Philistine right behind Goliath, I would have peeked around and been like, hey, man. I thought this was a one-on-one. -on -one. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how my name got into this. You, you said you was going to kill him and cut his head off. But then you said something about the rest of the men and dead bodies. And you're going, I don't, I'm not fighting today. I didn't even... I didn't even know this, this is what we was going to do. Goliath just said, we got to go down to the valley. I didn't know you was going to be here. Nor did I know your God was coming up. So please, leave my name out of this. He gets there. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will what? Give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Again, just like he did with the lions and bears. He quickly ran out to meet this dude. That's gangster. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Can I stop? Anybody here by a show of hands ever been hit with a rock? It hurt, didn't it? And you still here. Got bopped with a rock. And you still here. I remember uh, 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 doing paintball once. And I was out there with some people that really know how to do what they do with paintballs. And I thought I was hidden. And the next thing I know, I was waking up. <laughs> this, is not, this is no lie. The next thing I know, being in a hidden position, perched, ready to strike my enemy, I remember waking up to find out that someone from somewhere who was very, very skilled with this paintball gun had sent a paintball hurling at me that hit me right in my temple. The trajectory of which was so violent, I blacked out. And around 15 to 30 seconds later, when I woke up, I stood up, raised my hand, and promptly quit. I started taking off my gear on the battlefield. Hey, hey, stop, stop, stop. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Y'all clearly do this for a living. I was just having fun. Somebody said paintball. I decided to come. I didn't know y'all was doing all this. I've been hit with a rock hard. It hurt. Ding. It came off. He threw his rock so hard. Scripture said it sank into his forehead. This would be the equivalent of a hollow point bullet yes. for all of my gun owners in the room that are into ballistics. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over Goliath with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that the champion was dead, they turned 
and ran. Let's reenact, shall we? Now, here's how I know that David was confident in not just God, hear me, but his skill set. Because you can't have all this confidence in God and then you think you're, you're, you're terrible. I've seen too many believers give all the glory to God and, 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 and raise him up and, and then be sitting there like, but, but I'm just a wretch. I'm a wretch undone. There's nothing good inside of me. My righteousness is as filthy rags. All true. And there's something good that you can do. I've seen so many people walk in false humility and not even know it. Can't tell you how many times I've heard great preaching and and went to compliment the person and say, man, that was a great job you did. (laughs) Wasn't me. It was all God. All of it was God. <laughs> a preacher once said this to uh, another preacher, came off the platform. Man said, man, that was a great message. <laughs> it wasn't me, man. It was all God. Here was the man's response. It wasn't that good. all God you was involved if it was all God he would speak from heaven and shake the whole earth and mountains would catch on fire and whales would pop out of the ocean so it's not all God and it's not all you it's a partnership it's okay for you to partner with God that's what he wants I got to break this mentality that you think it's all God, that you step back and God, I I need you to, uh, God, I want you to, I want you to just, uh, there needs to be a revival in my family. Have devotion with him. Get up in the morning and start praying with them. We need to turn around in our marriage. Shut up. Stop being so defensive. Go to counseling. It's not all you. And it's not all God. It's a partnership. And here's how I knew David was so confident in his skill set. He went and got five rocks. He didn't get 17. He didn't get 100 of them and have his friends drag it out to the battlefield. I don't know which one's going. (laughs) I don't believe David knew the first rock was going to kill Goliath. But here's what I do know based on the count. Here was David's winning mentality. David went down to that brook. I did not know. <laughs> I didn't know this first one was going to work. But here was David's winning mentality. I don't know which rock's going to take him out, but I know between one and five, he did. So you got to step into a battle knowing, I don't know exactly how God's going to bring me out of this, but between steps one, two, three, four, and five, I am going to have the victory in this situation. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know that my God's going to prevail. So I'm going to just throw my rock. I'm going to just shoot my shot because I have a winning mentality. That dude, scripture says he fell down face first. Like dead, dead. 
And David did, ooh, help me, Holy Spirit. David didn't just go, yay, dead. See what we did, guys? Yay. He casually walked over to Goliath. Kicked off his helmet. Scripture says he pulled Goliath's sword. Because he didn't have one. He pulled Goliath's sword out of his sheath. Pulled that boy's head up by the locks of his hair. Because <laughs> it had to be a thick neck. If you're 9'7", you got to... <laughs> got yourself a meaty neck. He just... Took his head, walked it to Saul's tent. <laughs> yeah, King Saul? Yeah. Come here. This him? <laughs> he was holding Goliath's head in his hand. I know this is savage. He was holding his head in his hand because he wanted him to see where the threat was coming from. And here's what he wanted him to know. I know you probably going to have to live with the voice of Goliath in your head for the rest of your life. But I went ahead and did you a favor. I took his head off. Because anytime you think that threat's about to come back, I want you to know that this talking head ain't got nobody. <laughs> to hurt you, to come against you. And I'm telling you, I have this mentality because it's worked in my own life. Last story and I'm done. My brother is 10 years older than me. He founded this gang, and homie was hood, real hood. And um, one day, my brother Miles and I, my, uh, Miles has preceded me in death, but Miles and I were uh, at school, and I won't name him just in case he's watching. Uh, this dude who was an offensive lineman, you're going to know who you are, but I'm not saying your name. Um, he was an offensive lineman for our high school. He actually went on to, uh, got a full ride at USC. He had to be about 6'5", 6'6", 3-something. I stopped growing. Uh, <laughs> around the 10th grade, 11th grade, I got to 5'9". I had prayed to be 6 feet. I got to 5'9", and stopped. The guy said, you're good enough here. Let's stop. And so, uh, and as you can tell, I have a small frame. It was even smaller. My senior year of high school, I was 5'9". I think I weighed 120 pounds, soaking wet, okay, uh, uh, in high school, my senior year of high school. So we're, we're in the cafeteria, and, and, and uh, big dude starts punking my brother. I already gave you the colloquialism for punk. So um, he starts punking my brother and uh, uh, messing with him, just bullying him. And we got mad. I was like, you know what? Sick of you, man. He stood up. What you gonna do? About to get my brother, fool. That's what I'm about to go do. I knew I wasn't gonna fight that dude. He's like, about to go get somebody that can handle you. I went home. My brother was in the house. I said, hey, man. This dude at school is punking your brothers. My brother has David's genes. So my brother jumps up, puts on some pants and some shoes, no shirt. It's like, where are you at? I was like, he's at the school. Let's go now. We didn't jump in the car. 
We didn't get on bikes. We walked back to the school. He's just talking. I'm about to knock this fool out. He don't even know he messed with. And nobody messed with my brother's cuz. It's about to go down. They better know. They better recognize. And I was back. Yeah, they better recognize. They should know. And he been doing it for a long time too, fool. Get him. He was walking up to him. We started getting closer to the school. He said, where are you at, cuz? I said, he right there. The baseball game was going on. Dude was sitting on the bleachers. Homie walks up. That him right there? I said, yeah, that's him right there. He said, hey! Everybody turned around in the bleachers. This is an afternoon base baseball game. It got gangster quick. Hey! Dude turned around. You! Hey, you been punking my brothers? You the one been punking my brothers, fool? He said, he stood up. <laughs> yeah? What you gonna do about it? He said, we need to, I need to see you across the street. He started laughing with his friends. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? I need to see you across the street. So this was the most gangster part of the whole thing. Dude walks out of the baseball diamond. My brother lets him get within like seven feet of him. He turned his back on him and led him across the street. You coming with me this way. They got across the street. My brother already didn't have on a shirt. The other person put down his backpack. He's like, let's go. Big dude. My brother's like 5'11". So it's not like I went to go get like a, a dude that matched him. My brother's just got, he just has a winning mentality. Well, it's gangster, but it's also winning. For the sake of this sermon, keep with me. Okay, so <laughs> they start fighting. And my brother starts, I mean, razor blade. Starts molly whopping them. Molly whopping. is more of an African-American colloquialism that means to beat one's person violently. Started molly whopping at him. He was getting so tired. He was getting rung up. So he got so tired. He grabbed, big dude, imposing, grabbed both of my brother's wrists. Had them both. And he was just trying to hold them down. And my brother was trying to headbutt them. I mean, because when you in a fight, ain't no rules when, you, when it's a fight fight. See, when you're boxing, there are rules. When you're doing MMA, there are rules in a referee. When you're in a street fight, there are no rules. I will hit you with a brick. I will hit you with a stick. I will hit you with a bat. I will chase you with a cat. Just made this whole thing Dr. Seuss, right? I will beat you on a roof. I will beat you with no tooth. I will beat you, right? They're fighting. So he's holding him down. He got both of his wrists pinned down. And he's trying to hold him. He's putting his big old body on him, trying to hold him down. And my brother did this kind of, like, did like this to, like, break loose and get his hand out. And this dude's head had to be here. And my brother's, and, and, and he just had, like, this space right here. But he has so much power in that short distance. And he caught him right on the chin. And that boy was asleep before he hit the ground. It was like the whole thing went into slow motion. It was like a sequoia <laughs> falling over in the forest. And he hit the ground, and his head hit the curb. It hurt. It looked like it hurt. <laughs> and he was asleep. My brother stepped back. And do you know who was talking the loudest after that dude got knocked out? It was not my brother. I ran up to him. I bet you won't say it again. I bet you don't mess with me and Miles again. I bet you won't do it no more. You just got knocked. 
Mm. I'm not explaining that one. I'm not going to explain that one. I'm going to let that go. If you know, you know. Why did I tell you that story? Because I refuse to have more confidence in my big brother than I have in my God. I don't know who needs to hear that, but in the same way that I had faith in my brother to help me in that fight, there has been no situation from that day to this day that I don't believe that my God is able to do what he said he would do in my life. So I want you to have this winning mentality. It's really, really practical. And you don't have to have come from a violent background <laughs> to adopt this mentality. My, um, I, I, I take tactical training classes with um, a former US Marine Scout Force Recon sniper. And uh, we, we train for four hours at a time. It's absolutely grueling. Um, I'll never, if I went out there and trained with him every day, I would never um, uh, match his proficiency, what he was trained to do, what he, he has endured, the things he's done on behalf of this country, he, he, he's to be commended. But you know why I go out there and train with him? Because I still have that mentality. I watch and pray. Certain situations, I pray with my eyes open. I don't know what y'all about to do. <laughs> when I go eat at a restaurant, when I walk in the door, I have to sit at the seat that allows me to see who's coming through. I can't sit with my back to the door. I grew up in the hood. Um, but, but I train with him now, and, and, and now, now my awareness is just much more acute. I know everybody that left this room to go to the bathroom and the ones that didn't come back. Whole time we've been talking up here. I, I see Everything. Everything. It's an acute awareness. Why? Because I never want to be caught off guard. And if it does go down, what we've been trained, he, he trains us across all platforms. He trains us with pistol, carbine, and long uh, pre precision rifles. But every time we go out there, in four hours, we usually shoot maybe 12 times, live rounds. You know what the other three hours and 50 minutes is? Growing your mindset. Are you thinking clearly? Are you learning not just how to shoot? Do you know why you are shooting like you are shooting? Do you know why I ask you to lean over when you get ready to reach and pull that gun out of your holster? Do you know why I tell you to do a check? I need you to grow your mindset. You are in the fight of your life. As a believer in Jesus Christ, this world is becoming increasingly more dark. It's supposed to. Because light shines brighter in darkness. But if your mentality is right, you can walk in a dark neighborhood and not be scared. You can walk in a dark neighborhood and know if something went down, I hope it doesn't. But I know how to defend myself. I know how to protect myself and those I love, not just naturally, but spiritually as well. Why? I have a winning mentality. David had it. Jesus has it. You're going to have it too. We win. Every situation, we're going to win. Today, God's going to conquer. And I get to kill. Well, Tim, I need that more practical. Today, God's going to conquer this debt, and I'm going to pay my bills. You remember around 2000, everybody was talking about supernatural debt cancellation? You ran up all that debt, and you thought Y2K was going to happen, and that when January 1st, 2000 hit, your bank account was going to be mysteriously deleted, and Trump was going to lose his money, and was going to find himself in your account. Jeff Bezos was going to have his stuff moved over to your account. Steve Jobs was about to accidentally lose $2 billion and it was going to wind up in the believer's account. And you're like, the Lord did it. You would have been arrested. 
What you fail to realize is that God wasn't going to do it all and you weren't going to do it all. But together, you can do the impossible. Believe the unbelievable and see God do a miracle in your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? See, I let you out before three. This is longer than I usually go, but I, I just, I needed, I needed time with this message because um, I want you to have some practical applications for how this works in your everyday life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but the more you practice, the more confidence you get. David was confident when he went into battle because he had been proficient with that slingshot for a long time. That wasn't the first time he used it. After 26 years of public communication, I'm confident when I stand on the platform to deliver God's word. I know that if anybody's going to come to Jesus Christ, it's not going to be because of the eloquent of my words or the profound things of my speech. Only the Holy Spirit can draw people to him. But I do expand my vocabulary. I do look up words. I do study the scriptures. I do make sure that they're theologically correct so that when I stand up before the people, my partnership with God is not in vain. Don't forsake your duty relying on God to do it all. He's going to partner with you and you're going to see victory. Your mentality is changing. Your faith is growing. You're going to start believing that what this word says about you is true. So God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters, and this incredible moment that you've given us. May we be like David. May we be so confident in you and us that no matter what situation we step into, we know we're going to win. God, you get all the glory for us do your name. Thank you for taking us and partnering with us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.